Discover the Mediterranean secret to optimal health and longevity with GMT 23 Greek Mountain Tea from Terry Naturally. These capsules are stronger than a cup of brewed tea and support overall health, including liver health, digestion, and cognitive function. Now for the first time ever, this botanical is available in supplemental form in the United States. Find GMT 23 Greek Mountain Tea at your local health food store or terrynaturalvitamins.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Our guest today is Shannon Walker, who is an esteemed canine expert, renowned trainer, and the CEO and founder of Northwest Battle Buddies, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing service dogs to combat veterans with PTSD. Now, with a strong foundation in dog training and recognizing the vital role that service dogs play in assisting individuals with specific needs, Shannon connected with seven local police departments to provide training for their police canine units starting in 2002. While Shannon's expertise and passion for service dogs led her to become a sought-after speaker and contributor in the field. And in 2019, she delivered a compelling TED Talk titled PTSD and Service Dogs Beneath the Surface, shedding light on the profound impact these canine companions have on individuals struggling with PTSD. And she's here today to discuss how they empower military veterans through service dogs. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome the founder of Northwest Battle Buddies, Shannon Walker, to the show. Welcome, Shannon. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show, Ward. It's, it's a real honor. I'm really excited. Well, we have a lot of people that come on the program that uh, provide great support for many of our military veterans. And, uh, you know, your training and expertise really sparked my interest uh, with service dogs. Uh, can you tell us about the inspiration behind starting Northwest Battle Buddies and how this journey oh. was created? Absolutely. You know, I, uh, so I've been a dog trainer now for about 30 years and, you know, how Northwest Battle Buddies was started is, you know, I, my dad taught me to believe in God, family and country. He served in the Korean war and, um, he taught me to believe when you're in the presence of a veteran, you're in the presence of a hero, even though he never considered himself one. And so being a dog trainer, um, having a for-profit business, I had a veteran actually come into my business and he wanted his personal dog to be trained to be a service dog. And like you just mentioned in the in the beginning, I've, I've accomplished a lot of things in the dog world. I've, I've competed internationally. I've done a lot of things. Um, and I trained a lot of service dogs, but I'd never trained a service dog for a veteran with PTSD. But because he was a veteran that walked into my business, he totally got my attention and he wanted his dog to be trained to serve him with PTSD. So I did what I do. I, I, um, I assessed his dog. She was young enough. She had temperament enough. And I'm like, okay, let's get started. And he left her with me. And when you're training a service dog properly, it takes many months. And so when I was finished training her, that's when it was time for Kevin to come in and learn how to handle his dog. And so that, and you're looking at hundreds of hours of that type of training, but through that process, I learned about PTSD. I learned about the fact that our veterans are still paying a price for my freedom, even though they're not wearing the uniform anymore. He had talked to me about his last firefight that he had survived with his buddies. And, and, and even out of all the veterans and his buddies that had survived that firefight uh, when they were serving, coming home, he had lost six of them to suicide on our own soil. And I just couldn't believe what he was dealing with. He had been self-medicating for a year. He was clean at this time. And 
I was really learning about what the what PTSD really the how the, these invisible wounds were how really debilitating they were, and I saw him through the training with his dog find courage inside himself to do for his dog what he wasn't willing to do for himself, and I saw him find courage to lead her places that he was afraid to go alone. And when he finished his training, and I was watching him walk away, his shoulders were back, his head was high. And I remember thinking, and I had felt like I significantly made the difference in the life of a human being by providing a service dog in that way for him. And so Kevin went on to live his life, but he was also heavily involved in the VA. And a lot of his buddies that knew him prior to having her as a service dog saw the difference in him. So they started coming into my business looking for help. They started coming to me and they wanted a dog and I didn't have a dog to give them. And in my simple-minded thinking, I thought, if I can just adopt dogs out of shelters, I can train them and I can gift them and I can say thank you for my freedom. And that's exactly what I did. I went right out to a shelter. I adopted five dogs. I partnered with that shelter. I brought those dogs home and I got started. And then I tried to figure out how do you start a 501c3? How do you do all that? And that was 212 service dogs ago. And it's been an amazing journey and it's an honor to walk it out with these veterans. It's amazing. Well, what specific task can they assist these veterans? Oh, they they do so much for them. Um, our All of our dogs wake our veterans up from nightmares. They alert on the adrenaline of panic attacks and they can interrupt those moments and stop them. They We teach the veterans how to use the, the dogs for grounding when they are out in public and they are hypervigilant and they start to feel themselves spinning out. We teach them how to touch the dog, feel the dog, smell the dog, and the dog is then serving them. We teach them for grounding. Um, also as a social barrier between them and the public. We educate our veterans about how to interact with the public, how to answer the questions. Um, we teach the veterans how to, so they're using them as a social barrier. And some of our veterans use the dogs for balance and also pressure therapy, which then when the dogs are, you know, their body is on the veterans, they're, oxytocin starts to go through the veteran's body. They start to, their heart rate slows down, their breathing slows down. But, and all of that is so important, helping the dogs navigate, helping the veterans navigate life with those dogs throughout the day. But for me, what is most profound is that our dogs are there in the midnight hour when nobody else is. When our veterans are still having suicidal ideations, they're not doing it around people. They're doing it when they're alone but our service dogs are there and our service dogs are there interrupting those suicidal ideations. And our dogs are there in the midnight hour when nobody else is. And those are the most profound text messages I receive. Those are the most profound stories I receive because our dogs are literally saving their lives in the middle of the night or when our veterans are alone and it's, they're changing their life. It's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, 22 military veterans commit suicide every single day. That does not include what even goes on with our first responders like police officers. So this is, this is vitally important. And Shannon, you, you said something that a lot of people do not know about. I do. Uh, you mentioned the hormone oxytocin, which mm -hmm. is actually what we kind of deemed as the love hormone. And, you know, you can actually, you know, the doctors can actually prescribe it, which actually creates that uh, feeling of closeness. And I can understand mm -hmm. that uh, how 
a service dog would actually improve that the release of that hormone in a military veteran. Absolutely. You know, we see change on day one that when the veterans meet their service dogs, because when the veterans come in, many of them, they don't trust. They have up all of these barriers against the world to protect themselves because of all of the trauma and everything that they've dealt with. But when these dogs come in, they start to break down those barriers and you will see these veterans smile. Some of them burst into tears because they have so much hope that this is really going to make a difference in their life. And, and it starts on day one and they, they break down, they're hugging those dogs. Those dogs are already leaning into them. And it's so much more than that, but that in itself is so significant and profound. And it is the beginning of a life change for American heroes. It is, you know, we have this saying, I have this saying that the day the dogs, that the day the veterans meet their service dog, it is their last worst day. And and the day they, so the, the day they meet their service, so I'm sorry, the day before they meet their service dog is their last worst day. And the day they meet their service dog is their best, is their best first day. On day one, change begins and it, and it doesn't stop. It becomes a, a journey for the life of that service dog. And it literally changes the veteran's life. Well, I want, since you are the canine expert, I want you to clear something up that I believe that a lot of the public uh, miss, has a misunderstanding about. Uh, as of yesterday, um, and it's probably been going on, but I just noticed it yesterday, that, that Whole Foods allows service dogs to come in to their store, and they are now banning emotional support dogs. What is the true difference between a service dog and an emotional support dog? Well, I'm really glad you asked that question. And you're right. There is so much vernacular and so much confusion in the entire industry. And it really hurts the service dog industry. An emotional support animal is meant to be exactly that in the home. When people are dealing with emotional issues, then they have an emotional support animal that is meant to serve that person in their home. And an emotional support animal will be allowed, sometimes the um, the they can be allowed, an emotional support animal with a doctor's note can be allowed in maybe even an apartment or in a complex where pets are not allowed. That is the right of the emotional support animal. But, the, but emotional support animals are not allowed public access. Only service dogs, trained service dogs are allowed public access. And they are allowed to go anywhere that is not a sterile environment. And that is, and they are there to help the, the, the disabled person navigate life. You know, in my for-profit business, so often, you know, people don't understand. And so they'll call me and they'll, and they'll say, I want my pet to be a service dog. And I'll say, and I'll ask them, well, are you disabled? And they say, well, no. And I say, well, service dogs are for the disabled and they are trained to task and mitigate symptoms of a disability. Um, and I'll ask them, are you disabled? And they say, no, I just want my pet with me. And I'm like, but the law doesn't allow that. You know, service dogs are allowed access, but emotional support animals are not. And it used to be that emotional support animals were allowed on um, airplanes um, due to the Air Carrier Act. But because of the peacocks, because of the abuse of the system, the airlines is, are completely changing all of that. And that's very unfortunate. Um, however, it is, um, you know, where the change that's coming is very, very necessary because the airlines have a heavy lift. They have to protect the public. But how do you protect the public from the fraudulent dogs? And how do you not step on the toes of people who truly 
are disabled and have to have these dogs to be able to navigate life. And so in the industry, I'm doing everything I can um, to help educate, not, I mean, anybody that will speak. So I'm, I really appreciate these questions because it makes it harder for our veterans, as an example, to go out in public when the public has a bad taste in their mouth because of the fake service dogs that are out there and the abuse of the system. And so here we are providing service dogs and saying, go live your life. You know, we're breaking barriers, making their world bigger. But now they have to go out into the world with a service dog and answer questions and and experience the scrutiny. Is this a real dog? So we do teach our veterans how to answer those questions. And the bottom line is, is the dogs bring them so much freedom and independence. They're willing to take on that struggle or that um, agitation so they can they can be out in public. And But it's it's a real thing. And, and our, our veterans face a lot of discrimination because of it. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, like you said, they've abused the system. I mean, as far as they could push it and go over the line. But a lot of people bring want to bring their pets, but they're technically hauling them around as a, as a fashion accessory. Uh, mm-hmm. That needs to stop. But then also <laughs> with emotional support, animals, some people have, like you said, they've pushed the boundary over the line. You know, somebody said, well, I have a, uh, an emotional support pig and they want to bring it on the airline. And, and it just comes to the point of where it's so comical and it ruins the system. And then here we have these true trained service yep. dogs. And let me ask you this, because with service dogs um, and with and, and even down to the harness that they wear, uh, is there a harness that they wear? Is it an identifiable uh, item that when people see them, they know that the public knows it's a service dog? Well, yes. So under the laws of the ADA, they don't have to identify their dog because then that would get into HIPAA to where they're saying they don't have to say they have a disability. So by law, they don't have to do that. But I will tell you, all of our veterans, I'm like, you absolutely identify your dog as a service dog. You absolutely, because we want them to know. I mean, so our best say that they're a service dog. They say they're a working dog. And they also say, do not pet. And the the abuse of the industry because people are out there with their pets and they're letting the, the public pet their dogs they're letting and the and the public are interacting and they're talking and they're interrupting but these people who have taken their pets out they don't know the etiquette they don't know the professionalism that needs to happen so the public is getting a, they don't the public can't navigate the difference so the public is learning to interfere with real service dogs and and try to pet real service dogs. And then they, our veterans get pushback when they say, thank you, you know, when somebody asks them, can, can I pet your dog? And they say, well, thank you for asking, but no, he's working and they wanna get on with their day. And then people will push back and say, well, I always pet service dogs. Well, you don't pet real service dogs because real, you know, real handlers are taught not to do that because it, it distracts the dog, it interrupts the day, it interferes with the dog being able to serve the veteran. And the most important thing that's that would be is bad about that is if people were allowing the dogs to be petted is then the dogs are going to seek out affection from strangers when they're out in public. And you want that dog focused, following the handler, being sensitive to the handler and because they have to be able to alert on adrenaline, they might be a medical alert dog to where they're alerting on epilepsy or different things like that. I mean, there's so much to it, but it's very convoluted. And so that's why shows like this are so important. Um, indeed, yeah. indeed they are, Shannon. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize what and take in what Shannon just told all of us. 
if you're at the mall or if you're in a restaurant, you're in a public place and you see a true service dog, don't touch them. Yeah. It comes, it comes, look, I know we, we, you know, I, I don't touch service dogs. Okay. Because like Shannon said, they're working, but if you want to go up to a veteran and say, thank you for their service, mm-hmm. leave the dog alone. Okay. Yep. For all of us who are dog lovers, you know, we, we want to pet them. We want to hug them. Uh, but they are working. It's like a seeing eye dog. You don't touch them. Okay, they're working, and these service dogs are working day in and day out. They're there for that veteran. Okay, so be respectful. It's okay to walk up to to them and say thank you for your service. Maybe pay for their meal, whatever, or their cup of coffee, whatever you want to do. But don't touch the dog. Just show respect and just thank them and move on. And Shannon, I am so glad you brought that up because that is vitally important. Can you can can you share with us maybe a few of the stories about the veterans that uh, you uh, pro- provided service dogs for and how their lives have been positively impacted? Absolutely. Well, you know, I can tell you. So, um, all of our veterans have the same story. All two hundred and twelve, but they are all also uniquely different. And so everybody has a story, but one that always comes to mind um, if I'm asked that question is, you know, we had a veteran a few years ago. He just looked like Santa Claus. In fact, sometimes he would be Santa Claus at Christmas. He was a father. He was a grandpa. He was a husband. And we were about week three. So our dogs are trained for five months professionally. And then we have veterans come from all across the nation and they stay here and train for five weeks. And so about week three, I was talking about what we were going to go out and do. And, and um, you know, I was just doing my morning powwow, give, you know, information dump. And all of a sudden, in a moment, they're all standing in line with their dogs. But I saw this veteran, like, have a physical reaction. And I, and I started racing in my mind. What, what could I have said wrong? Did I just offend him? Because I, mean, I can be very, very straightforward. These veterans are not babies. I tell them, you know, you're not a victim. You're not going to be treated like one. You guys are men and women that served in our country. You are America's finest. This is what we're going to get done. You got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So that's how I talked to them. But when I saw this reaction that he had, I, I was concerned that I, that I had done something. And I went over and I asked him, I said, are you all right? And did I say something wrong? He goes, no, you said everything right. And I'm like, do you need anything? He's like, no. So I'm like, well, we went out in public. And even other veterans came and said, did you see his reaction? I'm like, yeah, but he says he's fine. Let's just do what we're going to do. So afterwards, he came and spoke with me and he wanted a private moment. And he told me something that I didn't know about him. And he said, when I was standing there listening to you, I had the realization of something. And he says, what you don't know about me is prior to this coming into meeting his dog, Flame, he said, I had had every morning. So he, he had a suicide attempt previously. And he said, every morning in the shower, I would decide if I was going to do one more day. I knew where I was going to commit suicide. I knew who would find me. I knew what time of day I had my plan that would not fail. And every day I would run the shower cold, deciding if I was going to do one more day. And while I was in line this morning, I realized I have not had a morning like that since I met flame. And it hit him, the realization that he had not been having those suicidal mornings. Well, then we fast forward a few months 
and he ends up confiding in me. He says, you know, I had one of those mornings in the shower and because our suicide, because our dogs are with our veterans everywhere they go, flame happened to be in the bathroom. And he says, I was running the water cold. And all of a sudden flame starts whining and she starts whining and she is interrupting me. And I was all concerned about her. Like what, what's going on with you? Realizing she was break. She sensed what was going on with him and she broke him out of that moment. And when I, when I, and, and I mean, we have, we have so many stories like that. We, we had another story where a veteran in the middle of the night, when I tell you our dogs are there in the midnight hour, they're literally there in the midnight hour. And this veteran just was giving up. He was in a room all alone. He had a box cutter and he had decided to end his life. And his dog was with him. And he, uh, the veteran was just crying and crying. And all of a sudden, and he had the, I mean, he had made the decision and all of a sudden the dog is pawing him and pawing him and breaking up this moment. And he says, uh, Talon, his dog, snapped him out of it and he looked and the dog had his paw on his knee and had a look on his face and he said, so instead of ending my life, I reached for my phone to take a picture of Talon so I could remember this moment. And he said, and we got this in a text message. We got a picture of the dog and it, I will tell you, I've trained dogs, I've trained thousands of dogs and I've seen thousands of expressions, but I've never seen an expression on a dog's face like he captured. And he says, because of talent, I'm enjoying another sunrise. And I have this picture to remind me that I'm never alone. Mm. And, and that's the text message we get. And it's like, how do you not do what we do? How do you not? It's like, and, and it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a you have a very powerful calling that you are fulfilling that is changing hundreds of lives. You know, for you, how do you, or what is the criteria that you use to actually match a veteran with a particular service dog? Well, so obviously if we've trained these dogs for five months, then we know these dogs in intimately. You know, uh, the trainers that work with me are amazing and have years and years of experience under their belt and it's all coming from me. So it's all very unified. So we know the dogs and then we get the file from the veterans in the application process. We know their health and just, you know, we, we know their health, we know their stamina, we know any injuries they've had, we know their lifestyle. Are they in the workforce? Are they alone? Are they in an apartment? Are they in a the house? We learn all about, and then, and then what they're struggling with and the tons of medications some of them are on. So we get all of that information about the veteran and we know the dogs. And because we are the experts we are in doing what we do, we then match the dog. We look at the energy level, we look at the size, we look at the lifestyle, we look at the breeds and we match them that way. And so we match these dogs before we ever physically meet the veterans. We know them on paper and we see video of them. We see their movement and all of that. And then, on day one with the veterans, we interview them and we watch them walk in and we sit and we ask them questions that are not on the, they're not what is in writing because we want to get a feel because you are what you project and what we feel the dog is going to feel. And so we already have matched these veterans with dogs on paper. And then after meeting the veteran, we're like, okay, was the match right? And then sometimes we'll be like, no, that dog is not going to work right here and we're going to move this or we find out something new and we'll make those adjustments. 
And then on the next day, they meet their dogs. And we're pretty much 99% spot on. Um, we have had to switch out a dog, um, maybe like in week two sometimes, just because we're seeing it's not the best match or whatever it might be. So we always try to have at least one dog reserved for a veteran if it isn't going to work. Um, but we're pretty much spot on like that. And um, and each veteran always believes they have the most beautiful dog and the and the best dog in the group. Like we're going to start another group of 14 here in a month. And every single one of those veterans will be telling you, you know, I got the best dog. And so <laughs> well, and to them, they, well, what breed of dogs do you use? Um, well, we are not breed specific. And in the beginning, our dogs came out of shelter. So it was quite the mixed bag. Um, but because of what we have learned, we have so many veterans in the work environment. So in the beginning, we used, you know, uh, German shepherds from a specific breeder and we would use mixes and out of the, out of the shelters, you get a lot of pit bull mixes. Unfortunately, that's a lot. And we actually have some pit bulls in the program from the very beginning. But what we've learned is um, I don't want to put a German Shepherd dog in an office and have in, you know, in the work environment and have those clients afraid of the German Shepherd dog because they might be intimidated by the breed. So we, tr we really try to pay attention to making sure that the dog can be a barrier for our veteran and public no matter what the breed. So we try to choose the breeds that are softer breeds now, like English Labs, English Cream Golden Retrievers. We have Australian Labradoodles that we use. That's our hypoallergenic, you know, dog of choice. Um, we have a lot of, la you know, Golden Doodles, different things like that, that we will use. Um, so if, when you look at our profiles, you'll see German Shepherd dogs and you'll see mixed breeds and we still use mixed breeds, but we do try to tend to those softer just because of also the children in the environment and everything else. Now, every single one of our dogs is amazing temperament wise, or they wouldn't be a part of Northwest Battle Buddies. However, um, we do lean towards those breeds because it's easier to place them for sure in any environment. Yeah, that that would make sense because yeah, even with uh, German Shepherds, just, just the look of them. I mean, yeah. can be intimidating for some people uh, where a Labrador, everybody wants to pet and hug a Labrador. <laughs> so, you know, that's just, you know, or, or the Golden Retriever, uh, you know, they're always very, they seem to be very uh, comforting um, in their uh, disposition and, uh, and cute as can be. Uh, so yeah, I was always kind of wondering, you know, about the, the type of breeds uh, when yeah. it comes to that, I mean, let's say if a combat veteran was in Iraq or Afghanistan, maybe he was with the bomb squad or whatever, and uh, uh, that type of unit, and they and was always around and dealt with German shepherds. Do they lean? Would you kind of pair them up with that type of breed, or just it's just going to be based on where they live, what their work environment is? The work environment where they live always matters, but we've actually done that. Um, we aren't using uh, the breeder that we were using our shepherds from. We're, we're not, they're not breeding anymore, and, and the shepherds do take so much more work. We actually have not been, we're not using them in our, in our program anymore. However, that's exactly what we did do. We have Vietnam veterans that were dog handlers in Vietnam. And we've definitely paired them with German Shepherd dogs because that's their breed of choice. They're experienced in handling those dogs, but they also weren't in the work environment. They also just had their own homes and, and did things like that. And one thing that's really important, no matter what the breed we get, what is most important is that we're dealing with a dog that is genetically inclined for the work.
because good obedience and good training can cover up genetics that aren't necessarily stable. But we always have to take into consideration, even though we've trained these dogs for five months, and even though our veterans go through five weeks of training, five days a week, and then of course they have follow-up and they have, uh, we always offer continued education. They recertify every year and things like that. You know, stress happens. These are not professional handlers, our veterans that come in, even though they've had five weeks with us. And so if the obedience starts to fall at all, you wanna make sure that dog genetically is very sound, very stable, very social. Whereas as a good trainer, some dogs that aren't necessarily like that, you can cover up what they really are with good obedience. But if the obedience falls, what the dogs really are will come to the surface. So we have the responsibility to make sure the dogs are genetically sound then we add the obedience, then we teach them how to task, and then it's just a win-win all the way around. Okay, so if you're bringing, let's say you, you're bringing in dogs from, you know, a high-end breeder, and, mm -hmm. uh, and they're puppies, uh, at what age or what stage do you start training them for that five so months? So our puppies, because we actually have our own breeding program as well, even though we still take dogs that are donated and things like that, rescue dogs. Um, but our dogs go actually into a foster home. We, we vet the homes. In fact, if anybody wants to volunteer for Northwest Battle Buddies, that is a great way. Now we are only in certain states because we have to make sure we have boots on the ground for our dogs. But we have our dogs, they're raised and they're part of the family. We want them loved. We want them to just have a family life until they are at least eight months old. So the longest that our dogs are in a foster home is one year. And then they will come to us for that five months of training. And then they go through with the veterans for five weeks. So it is, in fact, we just had 15 puppies born out of two dogs this last weekend. And those dogs are for veterans in the fall of 2025. That's how far out, because our dogs are 15 to 18 months old by the time they go to a veteran. And so that's how far out we have to put dogs in the pipeline and prepare for our American heroes that are going to be looking for help. And so, yeah, it's, it's a long process, but that's, that's about the age we do it. The earliest is eight months. A year is ideal. Why you, you yeah. have a workload ahead of you and have to yeah. plan so far ahead. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're enjoying uh, the education that we're all getting from Shannon Walker, CEO and founder of Northwest Battle Buddies. Uh, Shannon, how can individuals and communities and organizations get involved to support your mission? Well, uh, thank you for asking that question. You know, um, we love to, at Northwest Battles, we, Battle Buddies, we talk about, we talk to people and we say, man, if you love our freedom and the women and the men and women who have provided it, because everything begins with freedom, where would we be in our life without freedom? Think about it. There's nothing we could do in our world without it. Well, I didn't have to pay a price. I was born here. It's a gift. So I take very, you know, I take very seriously giving back because of my freedom, right? So our dogs cost $25,000 to the organization by the time we gift them. Now they are gifted 100% free to our American heroes because they've already earned it. We need people to donate. We need people. They want to get involved with Northwest Battle Buddies. You could across the nation do a third party fundraiser in your area. And, and raise money for Northwest Battle Buddies. You can spread the word, you can share our links, you can get a, join our Facebook page. Operation Never Quit is a monthly giving program that we have that tells an incredible story. When we talk about um, what our veterans have been through, operate, read the Operation Never Quit story. It is amazing. And so people can partner with us and, 
and, and give monthly, even at 22 a day and join because it takes all of us to be able to serve our American heroes the way we are. Um, we, in five states, people are allowed to foster our babies, you know, and that's a great way to give back and to even educate your children because it is a sacrifice. I'm actually raising a dog myself, Koa. I'm raising a dog. I bred the dog and I'm raising the dog and he goes with his veteran next month. And um, I'm going to cry because he sleeps on my bed right here, um, cuddles me every night, is a part of my life, a part of my holidays. I'm actually raising him on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. And you can meet Koa on YouTube. And he is meeting his veteran in October, and he will be gifted to his veteran on November 9th. And I'm going to cry, but I'm going to try to cry not in front of the veteran because I don't want them to feel bad. But it is a labor of love in all that we do. And every American can partner with Northwest Battle Buddies and help us with our mission because we can't do it by ourselves. We can't do it. Right now, if a veteran was to come and apply for a dog, it is a nine-month waiting period. The suicide rate amongst our American heroes is 22 a day. That means 22 families today will be planning funerals. Mm. 22 moms, you know, fathers, brothers, sisters, daughters are going to be lost today. That's every day in America. And we in Northwest Battle Buddies have gifted 212, vet, 12, 212 service dogs, and we have not lost one veteran to suicide. And that is a 100% success rate because our veterans that are seeking out our dogs, this works for them. It's changing their lives. And every free American can partner with us one way or another. They just have to check us out at NorthwestBattleBuddies.org. Uh, amen to that. And now, Shannon, do you have any upcoming events or fundraisers or initiatives that people should be aware of? Yes. So Gary Lavox um, is actually doing a concert for us um, in Seattle, uh, two and a half hours away on November 11th, which is Veterans Day. That is, we are the, the, the full beneficiary of that concert. Also, The Wolf, um, The Wolf is a national radio station, and they have been doing, they do a week-long fundraiser for us. And this will be our third year. Last year alone, in one week, they raised $150,000. So people can check out The Wolf. That'll be happening and ending on November 10th to be followed up with a Gary LaVox concert, which is going to be amazing. And then we also have, I believe it's May 4th, is our yearly gala that we will be having here locally at the ALNA Casino. Um, and that is, it'll be our 12th annual gala. And that is a huge fundraiser for us. Last year, we had 70 veterans there with their service dogs at that gala. And the thing that's amazing about that, when people see our veterans out in public like that, they don't realize that prior to that service dog, you would have never found them in a room of 500 people dressed up, sometimes speaking from the stage, proud to be there. And a lot of times they actually don't want to be there, but they're there because they're giving back. And I tell our veterans all the time, you are the mission in action. You will bring hope and healing to another veteran that has lost hope. And you can tell them. So our veterans take this very seriously and we're a family and they know that. And so that gala May 4th is going to be also amazing. And they'll be able to find out information about that on our website as well. Well, what are your plans for the future? Uh, more, more service dogs for more veterans. Um, we own now 70 dogs that we are raising at one stage or another that are going to be going to veterans. But what, one thing that I've always hoped for, so, you know, we give our veterans the best. We give them a, a, a professionally trained service dog. When they come here throughout the training, we're able to afford to pay for 
while they're here training, but we can't pay for their lodging. We can't pay for their, their airfares, whatever it might cost. So some of our veterans are staying in trailers. Some of them are staying in hotels. Some of them are staying in, in, you know, tents, you know, one veteran came in his horse trailer and stayed in it. And I want our veterans to have the best while they're here. So what we would really love to have is we would love to have a home where our veterans are all staying in it together. And then we have somebody cook them dinner and cook them breakfast. So as a community, they can eat together. They have a place to go, you know, just for community and that camaraderie, but we're taking care of that need as well. We at Northwest Battle Base wanna serve our veterans at the highest level, and that just takes more money. And right now, all of our money goes to the service dogs because that's what's changing their lives and saving their lives. But we'd love to give them a better experience and also uh, take the burden of what it might cost or be for them to be here for five weeks. We would love to be able to do that as well. So, you know, again, just more of everything, more excellence, more service, meeting their needs, um, providing more service dogs. Wow, Shannon, what an incredible job that you are doing. And ladies and gentlemen, you need to head over to northwestbattlebuddies.org to learn more and please yes. donate to this wonderful organization. Go on their site. You need to watch some of the videos and we're going to show one right after this interview so you get the idea of the incredible work and the lives that are changed by Northwest Battle Buddies. So look, we owe so much, we owe everything <laughs> to our veterans for fighting for our freedom. And this is the least that we can do. I mean, a service dog is a major, I mean, that's a major investment into someone's life. Think about the stories that Shannon shared with us. You know, stopping two veterans from committing suicide. Actually, one service dog actually making him forget of even thinking about it on a daily basis. So these dogs have, I mean, they are very, very important. They, ha they have a work to do. And as Shannon uh, told us earlier, remember, if you see them in public, thank the veteran, but don't touch the dogs. They're working and they are helping that veteran live each and every day to their fullest Okay, to to well, in a way, they are the light that's chasing away that darkness. So we got to think of it like that. So Shannon, wow, <laughs> your work is absolutely incredible. And um, hey, I want to thank you so much for sharing with us uh, your incredible work. Well, I really appreciate being able to be on the show. It's been an honor. And I want to actually say one thing. If anybody does donate right now, there is a, there's a, it's called a Hider Challenge. We have a, we have a, a donor that is matching all donations right now up to $50,000. So people can double their donation if they go there right now. And I'm just so grateful for you allowing me to share our story, our veteran story. They'll never ask for help. So we have to be their voice, and you helped me do that today. Thank you so much. Uh, Shannon, you are so welcome, and you are welcome back anytime. And again, ladies and gentlemen, head over to northwestbattlebuddies.org. Look at the incredible work they're doing, and please donate. This is a strong, wonderful organization, and the seed you plant is going to blossom into someone else's life. So uh, I want to thank you for watching, and I'll yeah. see you next time.